Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and everything's, everything's Coming Up Podcast. I always pause for the theme song. Do you do that? I don't, but I like to watch you pause. <laughs> no, because I was just saying, listen to podcasts when I hear that theme song. There's a Pavlovian response I have because of doing commentaries. That's what you listen to before you say, right, right. hey, welcome. This is episode three of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So like I'm doing so many commentaries whenever I hear it on a podcast now. I'm like, uh, I got to start talking. Yeah, I've just I've just lifted the curtain for all of our listeners in that we don't hear the theme song in house. You, I mean, we hear it in our heads, but that's what I was hearing. <laughs> Uh, but of course, uh, the, the voice you just heard, as you know from the name of this episode, is Josh Weinstein. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us. Thank you. <laughs> Here's what's funny about Simpsons nerds and Simpsons writers. We're all a little uh, a little tongue-tied sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, That's uh, the thing else I want to say, too. Is that Simpsons <laughs> nerds and Simpsons writers are the same things. Because Simpsons right. writers are Simpsons nerds. And that's like, I want to say, like, too, is like... Bill and I, before we were obsessed fans of a show before we started working on it. And I think we were like the first fans yeah. they hired. But so we, we were obsessive before we worked on a show. But then working on a show, we we're also super obsessive because we were talking before this began about like lines people always quote in their everyday life. But we did that ourselves on the show. That's so awesome. <laughs> and it's also like because like when you're, especially when you're running the show, yeah. like you have to see every episode like 20 to 30 times before it ever airs mm-hmm. so first of all it better be like funny because you have to see, see and Absolutely. edit it so much but it's also every single line is like ingrained <laughs> in your head mm-hmm. so like a lot of episodes like even like like this one which I haven't seen in a while but I remember I was looking at the script I remember every single line um, yeah that's Awesome. And I love that. I mean, it, you should be a fan. Uh, obviously, you should be a fan of what you're making. But to be a fan of the show and then to be hired. It was like, a, it a was great a, it moment. Was a, it was like, it was a dream come true. Because right. we were like, oh, my God. Like, we knew, like, we were just like, oh, my God, George Meyer and blah, blah, blah. All these yeah. writers, like, who we were like, oh, my God. And like, But when we first got hired, like, we were so ignorant because like we got hired as story editors and we were like oh my god you mean we're going to be editing jim brooks's stories and it's like <laughs> we, don't, we don't know what we're doing right and like so we didn't but like so when we first started like we were just in awe of that original rewrite room and it yeah. took like a while for like us to be confident enough to like pitch jokes and stuff but once we did and like first like when you make like when you made like sam simon laugh then you're like oh can you yeah. can you remember uh, one of the first times that you might have made Sam Simon laugh? I do, but I don't remember the joke. It was like, and I think <laughs> I, I think you remember I, the feeling. I think I yeah, but I think I actually <laughs> like at some feeling. point I remembered the joke because I remember like I think it was just like like Sam like sort of laughing and nodding. And it's like <laughs> uh-huh. that's wow, that's great. So then oh, I was like, man. now I'm in. Yeah, I had a, a similar experience where I'm a big Kids in the Hall fan, and um, Kevin McDonald, uh, he actually has been doing this quite frequently, but a couple years ago, he taught like a two-day sketch writing workshop at iOS, and I immediately signed up for it. I couldn't understand why everyone else wasn't immediately signing up, <laughs> but I knew that I was going to lose it twice when he addressed me by name and when I made him laugh, <laughs> and both things happened. That's I mean, the first exciting. one happened out of the gate. <laughs> because he had to start class. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's, it's a big moment when you yeah. make somebody that you really admire laugh. Like you feel really It's true. And it's them. like every single one of us people was an idol to us in one way or another. Because like we were mm-hmm. obsessed with Matt's car- comics right. in college be- well before The Simpsons. And we were like, both Bill and I were like, oh my God, like this 
that's the type of thing you want to do because it was like realistic and observational, but hilarious and no one else was doing it. Mm -hmm. So Matt was an idol of ours before the show even began. And then people like George and John Feedy and Mike and Al, like we all knew we do a them, and they're like, oh, my God, these guys are the greatest comedy writers ever. Yeah. So, like, it was very, it was really intimidating. But, like, talking about nerds, it's like, that's a great thing about The Simpsons, is that rewrite room. It's like a rewrite room of nerds. And so <laughs> right. there's no there's no jerks, and there's no, like, there's no loud sitcom Yeah, there's no loud sitcom schmucks. Right, Because like, right. I hear, like, on a lot of other sitcoms, like, there'll be, like, these nasty people or will put you down or whatever. But it was such, like, a, like a... A pleasant salon of nerds. Oh, awesome. So. The most exciting thing for me about uh, the Simpsons Marathon that recently happened and all the FXX stuff has been all the writers sharing their stories on Twitter. One, because they're interesting, but two, because everyone is so gracious that they still have like all of this love for the Simpsons and like right. there's all this, all this, all this affects affection. I think people seemed just genuinely enthused to share their experiences and that was I that was that. so awesome like that is like i would say like there's a few different like big emotional moments for me in my life like including when i saw my wife and when we got married <laughs> mm-hmm. but another one was that marathon because yeah. it's like suddenly first of all all the emotions and all the feelings we got like when we were writing the jokes and the episodes came rushing back but mm-hmm. it was also getting all that love and seeing that all the stuff that we did meant something to people. Cause I was saying before we right. began, like when we were doing the show, the internet was really in its nascent stages. That's na- that's the right word, right? Early begin- yeah. beginnings. Um, <laughs> and so, but we didn't, I, even in season four, when it took a lot, took like 10 minutes to get onto the internet, like you had to like <laughs> dial up mm-hmm. and like you had to, and it would, even then, people are going, worst episode ever in season four. Wow, and really? I was looking at, and we can get to this episode too, but I was looking at early reviews of like fans' reviews of this episode from the time it aired. And I know people say, I was so disappointed in this episode, blah, blah, The Simpsons right, has right. gone downhill. Wow. And it's so, so at the time, we knew people liked the show, but all we knew really is like, we love the show and we're going to write for ourselves because there wasn't, there, we didn't know that there are kids out there growing up watching the show. And that's why like the marathon and like right. this podcast are so cool. It's being able to talk to people who grew up with the Simpsons and loved it as obsessively as we did writing it. Right. That's amazing. That's something that's only happened like in the last few years. Cause now you guys are adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, but doing it when we were <laughs> doing it at the time, it was like, we're operating this weird vacuum where it's like, it, yeah, it's a hit show, but there's a lot of people who don't like it. People over 30 don't like it right. and they don't get it, blah, blah. So it's only now. And I think that's why it was so emotional for a lot of the writers. It's like, whoa, mm-hmm. there's love for all this stuff and like weird little crazy things that just came out of our heads right. mean something to people. So that's not really just cool. something, but like we are really the Simpsons generation. Yeah, like, I, would I say. mean, mm-hmm. it's the most important thing to most people that are doing art and comedy right now but that's what's that's so cool guys i feel you guys are our children yeah because, we are but it's like it pays off because then we had children that can give us jobs yeah but like, no completely but like it's like Alex that's Hirsch? like that's like yeah. alex it's like it's a perfect example because he grew up watching our episodes mm-hmm. and so it's so cool <laughs> that we influenced somebody now who's doing a great show yeah yeah that's a beautiful full circle i love that yeah i i would say that also like 
when you're making television, uh, it feels a lot like sort of sending things out into the abyss. And especially yeah. in animation, I would imagine, because just the delay in the production. And you said having to like see or, you know, just read the script 20 different times and have it still be funny at the end of it. You know, just to see this response now, even though it may seem like it's better late than never. It, yeah. yeah. And it's something we never expected because we never imagined like their kids out there watching that right, it's going right. to influence them. Because like, that's an f- interesting thing, too, is like for certain generation, like The Simpsons is their comedy education. And like mm-hmm. we, us older people, we had like an earlier comedy education of like starting like like Mad Magazine. And then like, I know like a ton, including including people like Matt Groening and, and other writers, like we grew up reading Mad Magazine, then matured to National Lampoon. <laughs> and then... <laughs> shows like SCTV like mm-hmm. really influenced us right. so it's cool to see like these different generations and what influenced yeah, their comedy no absolutely I'm, I find that fascinating like what staggers like this influence this influences yeah. this influences this <laughs> it's so cool yeah I love that um, so the episode that we're talking about today is A Fish Called Selma um, why this episode yeah that's because I had to think for a while of like what I want to talk about because there's some episodes that I love and this is in my top 10, but there's some episodes I love, but I just talked to talked about to death. Like, you only move twice. Summer 442. Summer 442 is exactly another one. Uh, Marge Be Not Proud, Even Who Shot Mr. Burns. And it's just like, once I've just like, I've said everything right. I want to say about them. But this is one that I haven't talked about since the commentary. Mm-hmm. And even on the commentary, do you, on commentaries, you don't have time to say Everything and also the cool, that was a cool commentary because Jeff Goldblum did the commentary, which is very rare. Yeah. And another thing to talk about is like our favorite like guest stars ever. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. So okay, let's just talk, first talk about Jeff Goldblum because he's <laughs> okay, so cool. Because there's two di- there's two different good anecdotes about him. Is first of all, we wanted like we love Jeff Goldblum because he's so sort of weird and funny. Yeah, and like oh my god, he'd be like the perfect agent. Um, so we got him. And he did a great job and was very Jeff Goldblum-y mm-hmm. about it. But the thing is about Jeff Goldblum, but also about Selma and Troy is they're all slow talkers. Oh, and it's yeah. like, they all like, that's the thing. It's like, if you have a crusty episode, you can have twice as many, twice as many lines because he talks fast. But with Selma and Troy McClure <laughs> and right. Jeff Goldblum, it's all like, they're, never considered they're that. slow yeah. talkers. Right. And so our episode, when we, after we had recorded it, it was, and it has to be, you really have to be down to like 21 minutes and in the soundtrack. Uh-huh. And it was 28 minutes long and that's right. like that's like wow what are you gonna do because like if you're like 23 minutes you can trim it here and there and right. we're like oh we're like oh shit we, we we have to call jeff goldblum and ask will he re-record his lines faster oh, no. and it's like that's like you never like with guest stars like you really want to be right polite and blah blah and he, but he was he was amazing was totally happy to come in and redo them quicker and another thing about when jeff goldblum came in and most guest stars were like usually nice, but he, I would say Jeff Goldblum and probably Peter Frampton mm-hmm. were the super friendliest of the guest really? stars we had. I love that. And like when we recorded Jeff Goldblum, I can't remember if it was the first time or the second time when he came in and it was like myself, Colin, the producer, a couple of PAs and like the sound guy and maybe one or two other people. 
Jeff Goldblum came into the little studio and went around to every single person in the studio and sat and talked to them for like five minutes each really? saying, like, hi, I'm Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> What's your name? What do you do? And he was like, oh, really, like, like so friendly. And he, and it was, because he's doing, he was filming Independence Day, I oh, think okay. was then. And he's like, I'm working on this movie. It's sort of like about aliens. <laughs> but he was like so like so super friendly yeah. and nice and that's also something to talk about like Phil Hartman too but um he was so nice that we loved him yeah and then he was like and he was so nice and so accommodating like that's why we said let's ask him if he wants to do commentary too mm-hmm. and he did that's great mm-hmm. yeah. that's so exciting oh man it really i mean this works the same way with you know seeing everything that the writers had to say on twitter during the marathon like it's so exciting to hear that the people you really love artistically are also good people like you know it's it could be really scaring scary yeah. and make you not want to meet your heroes when right. you're worried that they're going to end up being real people that are real jerks mm-hmm. yeah it's and that so can nice. that that can happen too right. but normally it. normally like we lucked out that's yeah. awesome that's great um so also anyway so this is like this is what yeah. an episode like that like there's a few different interesting things okay. to talk about in this episode. Because like besides like Planet of the Apes musical is like the funniest <laughs> thing ever done. It's there's also yeah, no, really. it's, there's, there's two other things. Is we by season seven and season eight, we felt like there's this whole world of Springfield and characters there that we can start exploring their lives and say like like Hurricane Nettie, let's explore mm-hmm. like why what makes Ned tick. Absolutely. And you can afford to do that once every you know everyone knows the family and you always want to have a certain number of family episodes, but by this time you can start exploring all these characters. Yeah. And so and we also realized I think it was Bill who noticed that like Troy McClure up to this point really had it interacted with most of our other characters. He was just in film strips and movies and TV and stuff, and he never actually interacted with the family. So that was part of the motivation to do it. But the other part was like, we loved Phil Hartman. Right. It's like that we want an episode that's Phil. That's all Phil. Because we just loved him. And that's another thing to talk about Jeff Goldblum being so nice. Phil Hartman, both Phil Hartman and Kelsey Grammer, although they're like guest stars, they're like part of they're like regulars and part right. of the family. Yeah. And both of them are or were because Phil is dead they, like old fashioned gentlemen mm-hmm. like when they came in they were so nice and friendly and funny it was like when you're like having like your favorite uncle come by <laughs> where everyone gets really happy because it's like, oh it's Phil it's Kelsey it's gonna be really and they're really fun mm-hmm. and they're so nice and accommodating and funny that like you just you want to write for them of course and that was like and Phil was one of those guys who's just like so naturally funny like he could also like we always wanted to have him at table reads too because he would make anything funny right and it's even like a line that's not supposed to be funny or a line that's so so Mm -hmm. if coming out of his mouth it's funny so you want him around Mm -hmm. that's great to do but yeah so like that's like those were sort of like the motivations for like why why this episode but also to why talking about it there's something else that i don't i didn't really think about when we did the commentary but i think about now is like this is an amazing episode about sadness and loneliness. Yeah. And which is so awesome because like this is a cartoon and it handles sadness and loneliness better than any TV show except maybe now like Louie. Right. 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 But, but it's like that for a cartoon to show such humanity and the side of the two Troy and Selma, two characters who seem like who could be like one note 
or whatever, right, just caricatures, course. like to be able to show the humanity and, yeah. the, and the sadness and loneliness of their lives. It's like, that's really, that's really cool. Yeah. And I think that's part of why Simpsons has endured because it has that heart and it has that message. It's not just jokes layered on top of yeah. jokes. Like you guys are really trying to go for something deeper and it's apparent. And that, that, yeah, and that was like, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, that's why I always think it's so interesting when kids aren't allowed to watch The Simpsons, because it promotes the best morals I've seen in any show. Absolutely. Yeah, they and go it, to church more than anybody else on TV. I know, I know. But also, so, yeah. you know, not, I think it's interesting, not only is this about, you know, um, sadness, but a very specific kind of sadness. Like, The Simpsons covers all the different kinds of heartbreak. You know, you have, like, Ralph and Lisa, but then you also have Mindy, and you have, right. you know, infidelity, and you have right loveless marriage in like the first yeah. season yeah. you have talks of suicide you have <laughs> right. all kinds of different forms of emotion from you know what what could have just been a very funny funny yeah. show yeah. yeah and that come i mean that comes down from the very beginning of, of matt and jim and sam like all of them always hit really hard it's like this is a cartoon but the emotions are real mm-hmm. and you always have to you always characters must respond in a real way the family must always love each other. Right. And it's like, but we always found too, it's like when people are more invested emotionally, then they like the jokes better and they like the story better. Because then it's cathartic so, too. You're yeah. kind of laughing. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. To, yeah. To stop feeling yeah. sad. Yeah. It's just establishing yeah. likability like yeah. any performer, you know. But, and thank God yeah. for the joke because otherwise of watching Mo, you'd want to you'd kill yourself too because his life is so sad. So luckily there's amazing jokes to, to keep you alive while you're watching. <laughs> what are you, some of your favorite jokes from this episode? That's obviously the musical, but yeah. also the all Troy's movies. Because I was looking at the list of Troy's movies in this in this episode alone right. has some of my favorite Troy movies. Like they came to Burkle Carnegie Hall, which I also know is Bill's favorite thing. In it. Yeah, I, I tweeted out today yeah. what people's favorites were, and he immediately responded. Yeah, to that, like, that yeah, was yeah, always one of my favorites. But it also has like locker room towel, towel fight, the blinding of Larry Driscoll. Yeah, yeah. It's like I love, and it's like oh, even like the. The, the makeout king of Montana, right. and all these is like it's just like an awesome the barrage. One? Oh yeah, Kristen Sade goes, goes to, to summer camp. camp. <laughs> yeah, that's I think that's Steve Tompkins' joke. How is the that's, brainstorming process for those titles? True McClure movies are easier to come up with. Yeah, because they're they're just like crazy silly, right? And you right, have right. the whole like a ten thousand movies to <laughs> pick titles from right, to right. play on. So like that's. That's a lot easier. Like coming up with coming up with names for characters and sign gags are the hardest. And sign gags yeah. are what Simpsons nerds go the most nuts for. Oh, and yeah. you know, so many people love to take screen grabs of them. And then it's <laughs> that's what I find the most when it goes uh, when there are lists that say fifty jokes you missed from the Simpsons and, and yeah. they're sign they're sign gags. Right, their right. Names. But that's it's nice that those are preaching because those are the hardest. And like people think like, oh man, it must be like really it must be crazy fun being in a rewrite room. And sometimes it was, but there would be periods. From the from the very beginning, or mm-hmm. at least when we start in season three, up for I'm sure now is like you sit there and there'll be 20 minutes of silence right. in a room full of the funniest people on earth <laughs> trying to come up with a sign gag that people might not even see. Right, and right. so you like really like you knock your head God. trying to come up with it. I remember like it's one, so tempting to not just like oh this one and then move on. <laughs> yeah, because like you got to be. It's like right. that's the thing too. Like even doing it then is like. We do like, okay, this is a cartoon. It's going to live forever. Yeah. So like you really, every joke really better be great. Because like there's one, there's one joke in the episodes we did that I hate. That, oh, really? That, that came out of my head. 
and I was and I was running the room and I approved that joke that came out of oh my, my head out of frustration because like we got to move on and that that ruins that it's very hard for me to watch that episode which is homer palooza oh my god what's the joke the Can joke you tell us? yeah but it's such i hate this joke it's the it's the it's the it's the it's the, it's the rover hendrix joke oh yeah it's a bad joke and it's like and it's like because we we're trying to come up with we we're trying to come up with a blow for the because i was at an act a act ending joke because the guy the doctor says like homer if you don't do this you're gonna die and that's like a big dramatic moment so we felt like we really need a joke to go out on right. you always want to go out on a joke and like we were having a hell of a time coming up with it and i pitched this rover hendrix joke and it was like <laughs> no one came up with anything better and i was like we just we just gotta move on okay we're just gonna do it <laughs> and um and i regret that moment because i think we could have just gone out on a drama of like Homer, you're gonna die and gone out on like Homer's surprised face, and it's just like we. Right. I would have saved time. I saved ten seconds of the show by going out then, and from that moment on, I've like, why'd I do that? Because oh. I was like, I and that, and I love. I almost talked to, wanted to talk about Homer Palooza because it's another one of my favorites and has a lot of good stories about behind it. But um, I was like, ooh, I'll talk, let's talk about this, so I don't have to talk about <laughs> Rover <Rover-Hendrix laughs> and how I nearly ruined and the yeah. show. <laughs> Well, going back but, to the sign gags, um, I'm just looking. We're, we have our Simpsons World anthologies in front of us. Um, 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 page 10, Troy a Little Tenderness. It's a picture of Troy kissing Selma. Underneath, <laughs> I'm seeing this for the first time. Uh, headline, look who's drunk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, with Rainier Wolfcast. Yeah, I just love I love yeah. the bluntness of that. Yeah, see, that's like, <laughs> those are probably, it's interesting to you, because we can, let's talk about the song, for because like the song oh, is yes, interesting, please. because some things take forever. That song was basically written probably, like it was finessed and stuff, but probably written in half an hour. Really? Because Who worked on that song? This is like, and this is the thing I was talking about before, too, there are certain moments in Simpsons production history that I remember very clearly. Like I was saying, one of them was like when but, uh, the genesis of who shot Mr. Burns was in seasons four and five, Bill and I were writing a lot of scripts. So we were always in our office. Mm-hmm. A lot of times our office was down the stairs from Matt's office. So Matt, it was Matt's idea. And I remember the moment he showed up at our door. It's a street. The Simpsons have these rickety screen doors. Really? It's like the offices are really sort of like delightfully run down. On the but, Fox lot? Yeah. Yeah. And it's because it's like, I think that one of there's two Simpsons buildings and one I think was used as a motel set. Oh, like yeah. It, so yeah. it's like always I think I know had what that. you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, but anyway, so our office just happened to be downstairs from Matt's and we happened to be in our office because we were writing scripts and Matt showed up at our, door, at our door and said, we should do an episode like Who Shot JR? Of Mr. Burns mm-hmm. and Bill and I were like, "Whoa, that's a great idea. Let's do it." But I don't know, like, if it was just because we were the first people Matt saw <laughs> when he came, when he had his idea and came out of his office right. that he said it to us or whatever. But so anyway, like that moment of Matt standing in our door, I see clear as day. And another moment is the genesis of this song because yeah. we were like we were rewriting a script and we knew that that um, Troy was going to be in some corny musical and i can't remember i can't remember if from the earliest stages it was a planet of the apes musical mm-hmm. it probably was <laughs> but i can't remember but what i remember is that time like i was really obsessed with that song rock me amadeus oh yeah right, it's right. so <laughs> it's bad it's delightfully it's, bad and good yeah. and me and bill and our friend paul sims who did news radio we were like really obsessed with that 
song and we were always joking about it for years and years and years mm-hmm. and so we were talking about this and somebody <laughs> had come obviously come up with it, it has to be Planet of the Apes musical and I remember exact. I was standing I think opposite Steve, I don't know why I was standing but Steve Tompkins <laughs> and somebody else was sitting on the couch and I was standing there and I said either I said thank you Dr. Zayas or rock me Dr. Zayas <laughs> And then, and then at, at that moment, we're like, that is so stupid. Can we do it because it's so stupid? <laughs> yes. Or is it perfectly stupid? And luckily, like, we came right around to, like, that is perfectly stupid. I ask myself that question all the time. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> the, great thing about, yeah. that's the great thing about The Simpsons. You can have, like, great stupid jokes and smart gags. Mm-hmm. And that's a thing. So, anyway, mm-hmm. so, like, so, like, that started us riffing on the song. But then another thing that really locked it in was George Meyer had this idea of interspersing it with these crazy vaudeville <laughs> routines of like, can I play the piano while I couldn't before? Which are like the oldest, hackiest vaudeville jokes, but somehow it worked. It kills. It oh worked perfectly. God. And just like Homer says, this musical has everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like, that's like, and so like, that was like, that was the thing. Like it was, we all loved the idea of it so much that it just, it just poured out. And I mean, it was, it was finessed over time because right. like they're also amazing lines like from chimpanzee to favorite. chimpanzee which maybe <laughs> yeah. is I think that may be my favorite Simpsons line of anything it's, and that was good. that was David Cohen's line and really? I can't I can't remember if he was in the room at the time when he first did it or rewriting but anyway so like I remember when this song came up because it was just so good mm-hmm. and like we loved it and like we, it's really stupid but it's awesome <laughs> but that it's that it's Phil's performance that puts it of committing to it Thoroughly, which is what what a sign of a great comedy actor is committing, like that put it over the top. Yeah, I find across the board in all the Simpsons music, the commitment is what really sells it. And I was just gonna say that Phil Hartman's like like great bad acting as he's singing on stage, like, oh my gosh, I was wrong. It was Earth all along. It's so good. Yeah. And that's another thing too, is like it seems like it was like it feels like it was meant to be because like that line, it was Earth all along, is I think that's in the original movie or it was like Something. or it's yeah. close. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like it's it's made to rhyme with oh my god I was <laughs> right, wrong right right but like <laughs> even the way he's animated like his facial expression is yeah, just like, like frozen just <laughs> so but he's bad. sort of smiling too because I he's know, an actor I know yeah. it's just so great like there's so many layers to it like Phil Hartman acting and then Troy McClure acting while yeah. being on stage right and then it's also singing. one of the apes is breakdancing because <laughs> it's so just like funny. it's cut <laughs> so wait are you guys have like a, a theme of making jokes about apes why is them? Do you just apes find funny. them funny? Apes are funny and monkeys are funny. And I think I got okay. tired of monkeys after a while. Because like we did it. But it's just like apes are always like. Right, right. I love that though. I love that as as being like a consistent grab bag of, I, well, let's make a joke about yeah. an ape. But it's also because that movie was so serious and Charlton Heston is so yeah. overblownly serious. Right, like right. that's perfect. Then for Troy McClure. Yeah, and and now if you check into UCB ever, um, there's a whole like thing of of making musical versions of there's the Shining musical that they do over there, and like they just make things. Yeah, the animator. Well, yeah, Yeah. and and, like you know, I feel like uh, that probably wasn't going on when this came out, and you know, this might have helped. It could have. It very well could have. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah because we were always happy to have like musical parodies and songs. Uh, The music checking in is like one of my favorite. songs like period that's great and i should also give credit because like b 
before when we first started that Jeff Martin was like one of the pro- there's always like a really good Simpsons lyricist on staff uh-huh. and first there was Jeff Martin and then it was Ken Keeler then who went on also to write a lot of great songs for Futurama as mm-hmm. well awesome. so a lot of times like we like we might come up with the, the lyrics and stuff but these guys would sort of like really put it together and make sure it's musically right. sound because they're musical geniuses right, right. and so like there's like that behind backing up our silliness are like really good composers yeah Mm -hmm. i mean um the the simpsons obviously has inspired me musically quite a bit yeah uh i write yeah i write a lot of songs about the simpsons but it was also just one of the first introductions to just music can be very very funny but still really catchy like the songs are all very good songs yeah. Le- yeah. And again, the commitment from the singers is just Yeah, never like, winking. Unrivaled. You know, like, I don't never think Yeah, it's see, that's a thing, sincere. too. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. And that's the sort of thing about the show in general is it's almost never, it never winks. It's Mm-mm. just like you commit to it. And that's Absolutely. why you, so that's why you, like, love the characters and you believe in them and feel for mm-hmm. them because they commit and the actors commit and it's all right. that. So It is pretty amazing thinking of Troy McClure, just as you said, this is a character that we haven't really seen. And I guess just objectively you might think that we wouldn't care about him right. because there isn't a story to him but then we have another character that we don't know too much about and in fact are kind of taught to not like through the eyes of homer right and suddenly we care so much right. about that's the her. great thing that's a great thing and the simpsons still does this is it makes you care for the characters Always. and it shows you this humanity underneath and it's like, yeah, for two of like the most almost like superficial and possibly dislikable characters right. to make you feel for them yeah. is really awesome. Because you just know also like Patty and some of there's like there's like heartbreak behind that. And that's like something that like makes me cry at like the end of the episode when they decide like it's like we can't. We can't bring a kid into right. this. Like, it's that like, really got me. It's like what a really, great resolution to that episode. Yeah, too. it's like because it's like. These are, and it's like, not just that they seem like they could be superficial characters, but they're like silly characters. And mm-hmm. to show like, oh my God, they, they are making the most humane decision. Right. But that deci- making that decision is throwing their lives apart. Yeah. Because yeah. They both going, they're both going back to loneliness and sadness. Right. In a way. And it's like, that's what's so cool. It's like so many times The Simpsons does that. Like that cartoon with silly characters can like make you cry. Totally. Or feel is awesome yeah oh that's one thing i want to talk about too it's like it's the troy's fish i wanted to know about yeah because like that's like this is like (laughs) no one said he slept with the fishes yeah and that's like a thing too there's like what i love about the simpsons is they're like they're like 20 geniuses working on a show at any time and it's like this that came from jim brooks really And, and we um Every year, like, we would have two story conferences. And um, I think I've talked about this before. It's like, like a lot of shows, especially, like, in the 90s when there's tons of sitcom money, like, some shows we heard, like, they would have a story conference in Hawaii. Yeah. Or, like, fly all the writers to blah, 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 right. ritzy place. But our story conference, our story conferences <laughs> were off. They were at the hotel that was next to the Fox lot. Really? And so our hotel room that we had a story conference in, we could see the Simpsons building. Oh, and we're like, oh, this oh, is like... Great. Don't forget, you're here forever. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, exactly. But part of part of the reasons of having these story conferences, because Jim Brooks is always so busy and making his movies and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you want to lock Jim Brooks in a room 
for one or two days and get everything out of his head Mm -hmm. that he can give you for every episode. Right. Because he'll say he's one of those people who will say things that you could never think of. Right. And so, like, we going into this when we were talking about, because at a story conference and people pitched the story and then Mm -hmm. you talk about it, you flesh it out and you see, like, if it's if it's viable or not. And we, and we were also, was like, there was a, yeah, we brought a gong to the story conference. <laughs> and it's like, you got, when a story gets gonged, you're like, yay, that's an episode. We're going to oh. do it. So, but we were talking about this and we <laughs> knew that we wanted Troy to have some sort of weird sexual predilection. Right. But um, predilection? 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 I don't know. Mm. Anyway, so some weird, some sort of weirdness. <laughs> but we didn't, also, like, we wanted to be like, we didn't want anyone to ever figure it out. And we didn't want it, you know, so we, but we wanted it to be weird and strange and funny. Yeah. And it was, it was Jim who <laughs> said fishes or said the aquarium or something. It was his idea that it was fish and we never go beyond that. Ah, uh, the way that so, you guys handle it is yeah, cause so it's some, cause good. Yeah, because you just have that big aquarium there. And you're like, because you know of, about him, you're like, wow, that suddenly has a very bad feeling uh, right, to it, right. but you uh, never yeah. know. And then at one point in the episode, it goes, I'm going to SeaWorld. Yeah. yeah, you guys tease it so, so yeah. well. And so it's so well, like that's another thing. It's like, it's so, even though it's super silly and crazy, it's deftly handled. Mm-hmm. So right. it works perfectly yeah i love at the end when he is <laughs> the shadow goes dark in him and he's about to reveal what the thing is and then <laughs> selma just like i don't want to talk about that and like gets them back on yeah. track so you almost mm-hmm. get it and you keep having all these great transitions like on the news uh when the newscaster is saying like sean mcclure has found a a wife wife <laughs> yeah yeah it's so good. <laughs> and there's also a really great take with the female news anchor where she says something and goes <laughs> Anyway, like she like fake laughs in a way that yeah. is so perfect. <laughs> I think there's oh, and there's one scene that we cut that I wish I I can't I couldn't find, but it's like it was Troy's bachelor party. It's oh. something that we had to cut for time, and they go to Mo's bar, and they all get really drunk, and Homer and Troy get really drunk, and there was a little bit more said about fish, mm. but I don't remember what like it was just probably something crazy right. random, right? But it's like but we had to cut that scene. So so that's where you um pick up with just Homer and, and Troy doing the secret of... Right, <laughs> right, yeah. right. So, right, that's why we just did had Got to do that it. little that thing. That was so effective. I yeah. love that. It I says mean, everything yeah. you need to say. Absolutely. Yeah. So, oh, one other thing, talking about that, is also, like, the, at the time, too, this was also about sham marriages, which is something that, like, still people don't really talk about. And yeah. it was, like, it's a whole thing of, like, you see it in Hollywood and everyone knows, like, that that's not a real marriage but it wasn't really talked about and so like this was also about like that like let's let's talk about something that people don't talk about yeah and talking about it in a way that really makes you feel bad for the person who is kind of the beard for lack yeah. of a better word yeah, right? yeah. you know it, it's troy poses a good argument to Selma, just like, you have everything that you'd ever want. You know, you have all this money and you have mm-hmm. a big house and you're movie, you're, you know, married to a movie star. You get all this stuff. And yeah, and this is the only difference between our, mar- our sham marriage and our marriage is we know what we ours know. is a sham. We, you know. and right. it's like, and, but it's like... It's pretty good point. It, it, yeah, and it's also, it's just like, it's again, it's like, it's, the, it's you see the humanity on both sides that's and that's the thing. why he's not so a, good. he's not a yeah. villain in this and he no. should you know on paper if this were written less uh well he might come away looking like a huge jerk but right. he's dealing with something yeah and he's not able to give right. some of the things that right and she that's wants. what's so cool is you end up feeling for both of them <laughs> right and there's a great moment of tenderness. 
Yeah, and Chub-Chub. Oh, Chub-Chub. Here's a, the origin of Chub-Chub is interesting, too. Oh, yeah. Because cause Conan, it comes came from Conan's head. Uh-huh. And because Conan would say, just say crazy things. And at some point, he kept saying Jub-Jub. <laughs> and and that be, then it became the name of Sama's iguana. Awesome. But it was like, it was what because... What do we do with this? It's just as Conan would say Jub-Jub a lot. <laughs> I, so like I really love the line, he's everywhere he's you want to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's so subtle. I love it. But oh. you, know, you know that's from an American Express ad, right? No, I don't. That's what it's oh, like. Wow. It's like, we're everywhere you want to be. It comes oh. from American Express. And that's another good point. It's a cool thing. It's like, see, you like it just because it's a funny line. Yeah, but exactly. then it's actually like a reference to an ad oh. of the time. I thought that so it was like, just he is the worst pet. <laughs> that's yeah. what I took it as. Yeah, yeah to me, it just seems like Troy's just saying some empty thing because he, he can't <laughs> oh. think of how to compliment it. So it's like, hey, he's right, everywhere. Right. Interesting. Be. That's great, and that's something that Julia and I talk a lot about on this podcast. It's just like it. It's always just funny, and then we get to learn why it's even funnier than we thought it was. Yeah, but that doesn't take away from like how we interpret it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's it's just like you get to appreciate the layers, and I'm sure there's mm-hmm. there's jokes from episodes that I love that I don't realize our references to something right know. right yeah. uh speaking of references though i loved the muppets uh, at the oh, top absolutely. <laughs> dad what's a muppet, muppet. <laughs> not quite a mop not quite a puppet but <laughs> man and that's a like, part of it's like that's it's dan's performance at like chuckling at his memory of the muppets yes! that sells that line because yes. it's just like even though it just sounds so crappy but he obviously enjoyed it so much like that's one of those things like that the, the actors sold it but we just were like we had never made fun of the Muppets so like right. that's like that's the perfect <laughs> and the Muppets list. are animated perfectly they too. really yeah. are oh, and God. later Kermit. when yeah I know later when um, uh, they're watching the same movie at the drive-in there's a screening of my latest film what a great line but uh, his or I guess no actually this appears when we're when they're watching it on the TV uh, what's that leather Muppet the way he's animated yeah. with all of his wrinkles as he smiles is really perfect too uh, one so of my funny. favorite just, like, joke jokes of this, which, you know, I, I mentioned last episode how there are so many Simpsons joke that, jokes that just feel like, how is, like, how is this not the oldest joke of all time? It makes so much sense, you know? It just feels like something you've heard growing up your whole life. And in this case, it is. <laughs> but uh, just when they're on the date making small talk, and uh, Selma says... You know, it must be interesting being a movie star. And he says, like, well, I've been reading a lot of scripts. It's a lot cheaper than actually going to the movie. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. Such, such a joke. <laughs> that is, yeah. like, yeah, there's a, that's the thing about The Simpsons is there's probably 50 different types of jokes. Yes. And, like, that's, like, that's a classic. That's a punchline. That's a classic. A tweet. Yeah. <laughs> that's a classic joke. But mm-hmm. then there are other things that aren't jokes at all, but are just because they're funny because they're so real. Yeah, absolutely. Or it's funny because it got just perfect or whatever. Like, and mm-hmm. that's the thing is, like, I was talking about this beforehand. It's like The Simpsons is a great comedy lab. Mm-hmm. Like, at the time, like, sitcoms had a certain formula and shows had a certain formula. and But The Simpsons, we were allowed, because no one told us what to do, we could tell any type of joke as long as we thought it was funny. And so, like, Simpsons, it's like they pioneered. And also, it's also like, like things like John Swartzweller-style jokes. He created that style of joke, and then it became a thing mm-hmm. because people liked it on The Simpsons. Like, it's interesting, like, like how certain types of jokes come about. Like, a type of Swartzweller joke of, like, the guy, I think it was at the, in a Duffless or one of the brewery, brewery shows <laughs> where the head of a brewery, he goes like, down I go. 
or something. Yeah. And I was like, but that type of joke, that's based on Schwarzwelder's love of old time radio. When oh, on yeah. old time radio, people had to s- describe what was happening <laughs> because people couldn't see it. And so that's why on the radio, someone would go like, is that a gun in your hand? Yes, it is. And now I'm going to shoot you. Bang. Ah, uh, down I go. So because they had to describe everything. And that's like, that's like, that's the origin. You don't need to know that origin to think that's a funny line but that's like that's right, and that's came right. out of Schwarzweller's head because he loved old-timey radio and so like that's like there's a thousand different different know. rivers of jokes that all converge on the Simpsons yeah and that yeah. sort of thing uh what are some, I mean this is such a vague and open-ended questions but what are some other ways that you've seen just the Simpsons impact the way that comedy is written because clearly it's such an influential show and you know you came on you know, obviously with a love already, but it obviously has shaped a lot with you, you know, being a showrunner with, with Bill. Like, yeah. how, how has it changed things? It's, it's changed things, but it was, a, it was percolating for a long time before it happened. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, we were doing stuff that other shows weren't and a lot of people didn't like. And so... It was, we, we, we just had to trust ourselves. And we're like, we're writing to make ourselves laugh. And if we have the confidence that it's really good, we're going to do it. And so like, but at the time, we felt like we were operating in a vacuum. And like I said earlier, it's like, but there were kids watching the show right. who grew up in that. And to them, it's like, they're learning these type of jokes and blah, blah, blah. So that influences it. So then you guys go out in the world now as writers and comedians. And then you spread that. Mm-hmm. humor so suddenly stuff like that we are doing in 95 that wasn't really popular and it would make a lot of people over 30 frown <laughs> and and actively like it's always funny to me that people go out of their way to actively not like things oh, uh, the yeah. simpsons and it's like that's part of like i also want to almost talk about the poochie episode because the poochie episode is all about working on the simpsons yeah and the response of the outside world right to it but what's so great is like now like we we had the rivers of like National Lampoon and Mad and SCTV mm-hmm. going into us. And that influenced us. And then we put it like that in The Simpsons and other things. Then it goes out to you guys. And right. then you spread it yeah. to the world. And so now like, I can go work on a show like Gravity Falls. And I feel <laughs> at home because Alex grew up watching our show. Yeah. And it's like, but before, 20 years ago, you couldn't, I couldn't have gone on another cartoon and felt at home. Because right. it wouldn't be that range of humor. And, but also... The fact of like, like Gravity Falls is a good example where it's like emotions really important yeah. and the characters are really real. And like that's a big, that's a non-joke but equally essential influence of The Simpsons mm-hmm. is treating, and especially in cartoons, treating characters as real. Um, yeah. that, that actually works really well with a question that uh, uh, we got from one of our listeners. Uh, we told people that you were going to be a guest on the show. And uh, Brian Mall wanted to ask uh, mostly about how you and Bill made things really grounded and focused on the family, uh, you know, and said that you were less of a fan of maybe the wackier kinds of adventures. Did you touch on that? Yeah, that's like, because like, that's something. And really, like, Bill and I just started out, we said we're going to imitate seasons three and four which are mm-hmm. our favorite episodes mm-hmm. ever. Like, that's, like, to us, seasons three and four are, like, that's the penultimate TV ever. Because, like, they they got the balance perfectly right. So we're, like, if we can do that and imitate that, we're good. Um, but then we also found, like, let's, because we also 
whenever you're writing a show to you get impatient and you want to try new things. So we were like, let's have a certain number. And this was a very specific rule we laid out for our two seasons. Is we'll have a certain number of episodes that will be about the family and that will be grounded and have like re- be about real emotional things. But then we'll also have a certain number of episodes that are that push the envelope, like 22 short films. Like, let's try weird experimental stuff and see if it flies like that. And then also like, we'll also just have episodes that are just silly fun, like mountain of madness or whatever. That's just like, so like we like wanted to do all those things, but even in that, like in mountain of madness, which is a crazy episode, it's still, the characters are all behaving with real reactions and emotions. Right. And so like, that was like, that was just like a rule instilled in, us by those early guys and Matt and Jim and Sam from the beginning like that's you you are and that's why the Simpsons works it's because it's grounded but it's a cartoon and it's crazy and so that all works together uh one of the questions that uh, Joe Quazala asked was if you were to, uh, you know, this is a fantasy, but if you and Bill were to come back uh, today and were given, you know, maybe one or two episodes that you were just able to write today, uh, do you have any unfinished stories or maybe some things that you'd like to do that you didn't get a chance to? There were, there were a number, and I'm blanking on them, there were a number of episodes that we never cracked that mm-hmm. we would have, like, that if we had cracked... Right. would be like that would be great and it's like but the thing is too is like there's still like i bet if we came back now we'd find like new things to do because they're still doing that which is amazing it's like they still find great stories to tell mm-hmm. and so like that i don't i my answer is i don't have the <laughs> answer but i would it would be really fun yeah it's like that's like it's just like it's such an endless delight of thing opportunities to right. tell stories and jokes like it does feel like it could go on and on and on um, so a question from, uh, this is an interesting name, Trevent Trailer. I don't know if it's his real name, <laughs> on Twitter. Um, he goes, someone who's run multiple shows, does he find himself critiquing other programs from a showrunner's perspective? That's a good question. Only when I don't like <laughs> what I'm watching. <laughs> you can see the seams. In the yeah, comments. that's mm-hmm. like when you see, then you learn, you, you, cause like, for, like I was saying, it's like <clears throat> for every Simpsons episode as a showrunner, first of all, you're there from the genesis of the episode the rewriting of it, then you're for the recording of it, then the editing of the soundtrack, and all of those things are multiple things, take multiple times. Then you're editing the picture and blah, blah, blah. Then you're doing the mixing of the sound. So you see every, you see every episode. So you just like you, every little moment is ingrained in your head. Right. So you see that. So then it's hard when you're watching a show that you have nothing to do with to not <laughs> see those scenes. But when you see a seamless show that's so beautifully done, like for my favorite show now is Louie. Mm-hmm, and it's yeah. just like, you, I never find myself stepping out of it and going like, why didn't they do that? Because it's so perfectly done. And it's one of those shows like I'm in awe and jealous of because like, I don't think I could do that. Right, right. And it's like, so that when it's great, I don't think that. But when I see a show or even like a show I like, but I see flaws, then I'm like, oh, they shouldn't have done that for this story or whatever they missed this opportunity how come we didn't do this opportunity so like yeah but it's only when i'm taken out of whatever i'm watching yeah and it's it's funny um i think i've mentioned this before on the podcast that i think for a long time at least i did talk about this but at least for me it took me years to ever know that they were writers of anything like it just (laughs) feels like these things exist and i wouldn't go as far as saying that i thought the simpsons were real people but 
they very much feel like them. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, it, it has been a very interesting and fun journey to realize that, nope, so many, many people made this show. And these are actually someone's, someone else's jokes. It's not Troy McClure being funny. It's, it's all these people doing it. And that's, that's one thing of like having worked on a show like that's talking about seeing, seeing seems is like, I can tell a lot of times like, oh, I bet that's a Dan Graney joke, or that's Steve <laughs> right. Tompkins, or so and so, or like that seems right. like John Vitti or Mike and Al, or like I can tell like whose jokes it was because I know them, and so mm-hmm. like that's sort of like that's super that's fun. fun, yeah, yeah. Well, off of that, off of what you said, I, I feel also that no TV show is no two TV shows are made the same, and especially in animation, I think not a lot of people realize that there aren't always. Uh, uh, writers rooms for animation shows yeah. that sometimes it's from the storyboard artist right sometimes like they're board driven and like yeah. that drives me crazy because I actually can tell when an yeah. animated show is board driven and it makes me really mad because I'm a writer so of course I'm on right. the writer side <laughs> right. but I'm like Ugh, I can tell that's a board show because yeah. it's not carefully worked out and it's something random blah blah right, blah right right and and I think uh, I'm I don't know if naming the show is is interesting or or will get me in trouble, but I'm finding that uh, a lot of animated shows that have been very popular, but they were board-driven shows, are now kind of trying to switch over into a writer's room to sort of see how it fares. And I don't know. I don't know what's right or wrong. It's because they're huge. And it's interesting, too, because I'm doing an animated show in England where they don't have writer's rooms mm-hmm. and it's a new thing to them and like so we introduced it sort of for our show right that but people love it because most writers there like are working in isolation mm-hmm. so they like coming together but they're huge they're benefit this is this is a thing like bill and i had a very specific science of running a room that i will talk about for one minute because that's Please about do. oh it's worth it <laughs> but it's like there's like there's a there's a certain number of people that's like the perfect number of people having in a room because if you have too many then there's bound to be people who are distracted or nowadays right. looking at your phone but in our days would be like looking at a magazine it's like sometimes <laughs> right. sometimes it'd be also so arduous and like hard to figure out like people would pick up a dictionary and look yeah. through it just to do something <laughs> right about it but um to, to like distract yourself but so like there's like an optimum number of people in a room that's usually like to me it's like and it's everybody's showrunner's personal taste um but to us it was like six people is like the ideal number of people to have in a room because everyone has a say and no one can really slack off right and so like we would sometimes have like two rooms to of like that number of people but then you also have to make sure that people in the room get along yeah, and so right. like you might want to put two because and everyone on simpsons is really nice there's rarely like there's very little like baggage to talk about but some people might rub other people slightly the wrong way so like you know like oh we'll keep them yeah separate right it's like separate forming a band too that everybody that's something that i have experienced in in just like you know creative collaboration on any form like sometimes somebody will say a joke and i'll go god why didn't i think of that joke like (laughs) that's such a good joke and then i kick myself for a moment and then remind myself well because he's here because those are the kind of jokes that he pitches and I pitch different kind of jokes and yeah. you know it's fine like that we're part of the band yeah. and that's why that's why the Simpsons rewrite room is so awesome and different than other rewrite rooms is it didn't matter if you were a junior writer or even a writer's assistant or an animator if you're in a room and you pitch a joke or an idea that's good it would always be like when we were under like Mike and Al or under us or Merkin, whoever it was, if it was a good joke, it went in. Right. And there's no, so cool. there's not, it's like a total, <laughs> democracy. not I a democracy it. or even like a communist, <laughs> in a perfectly, like socialism in its perfect form of like just the ideal 
It, it worked for the comedy ideal. The best joke, the best story, the best right. line. That went in and didn't matter who said it. And right. that's why it was so great. And that's also like why it encouraged people like young guys, like when I was young, like to feel like you can participate because you have as much a chance of saying right, something. Right, right. And productions uh, in any like part of it can feel like such a crazy hierarchy where you're like, I'm just the writer's assistant or I'm just yeah. blah, blah, blah. It's like, it sounds great to sort of eliminate that because I think that that could cripple a lot of people towards right, yeah. just, you know, not only being creative, but, you know, succeeding in that arena. Yeah. And it's also like there's some people who like are very quiet mm-hmm. and are like are not as good in a room, but they're amazing writers. So like, you know, like that's like you don't fault them that they're not saying a huge amount in a room because they're turn in a script that's amazing right you know and so like you learn like what are people's strengths yeah and you don't want six loud mouths yeah exactly (laughs) like that's a thing too it's like you always like you always when like hiring a writer it's like you might have read your script and spec script and know it's funny but you want to make sure that if they're a loud mouth they're the right type of loud mouth and like they're not crazy in a bad way yeah it's just like like, dating yeah (laughs) it's like dating six or seven other people at the same time yes yeah um, and a question that we've actually gotten a few people wanting to hear a little bit about Bart versus Australia. Uh, Matt Dillon in particular is an Australian who remembers there being... The Matt Dillon? <laughs> the Matt Dillon, The Matt Dillon. Yeah. A lot of... Uh, remembers there being a lot of hubbub about it. We That's an interesting story because we don't... I don't know because what happened is we chose... That was one of the first episodes for Simpsons going out of Springfield and going to another country. Mm-hmm. And we said... Let's do Australia because Australians have a great sense of humor and they'll like uh, it. So, that, and that's like, and I still maintain. Like taking on New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. And I still maintain that's true because now I have, I have a friend who's from Australia and he grew up on watching The Simpsons and he loved that episode. Right. However, what we think happened is we got a barrage of letters from kids saying, Dad, why you make fun of my show, blah, 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 yeah. and my country, and blah, blah, and the accents weren't even like they said. They were South African accents, not Australian, and blah, blah, <laughs> And it's like, but we think there were a couple of angry teachers, teachers who made their kids, like as an exercise, oh, yeah. write these letters, because everybody, most of the people, and I haven't met a lot, but most of the people I've met from Australia really liked that episode. So I think that we were right. That's yeah, gentle and, rubbing. You know? Yeah. yeah you know? Totally. Yeah. Elbow nudges. And yeah. it's like, and I think it was just, it was a few, it's always like a few sour pusses <laughs> who like try to yeah. ruin everything. Oh, there's also good, there's a good sour puss story from this episode. It's because weird uh, table reads are also like, like, ta- like managing the rewrite room. You also try to manage in a table read. Because for example, if, if it's a rainy day and people are delayed in traffic or in a bad mood and you just know right away, like if it's a rainy day and you have a table read, oh shit, this is going to be, it's going <laughs> to go poorly and almost inevitably it did. And, but it's also like you want to, um, and it's also like things like you want to make, you, let's, I hope that we can get as many actors as possible in the actual room. Cause when you have, when you have someone else have subbing for a voice, even if they're a brilliant actor, but they're doing some other actor's voice, it throws people listening to it right. off ever so slightly so like you always try to set up a read to have maximum laughs and enjoyment because then it's less work for you when you go <laughs> off to rewrite it it's like because people laughed at that joke but um in this episode there's that joke of like oh he's worth you're smoking for two mm-hmm. now and in the middle and this is like this had never happened in table read before this moment i don't know if that happened since is when that joke was said like is it Selma or is it Troy who says it? I, I think, I'm Troy pretty sure it. Troy. Because yeah. you're smoking for two. Um, 
somebody in the room, and it was in this trailer on the side, sitting on the side, said, that joke's got to go. And it's like, in the middle of a read, you don't call, say, you don't critique a joke. You can come, please come up afterwards and say, that joke bothering me, blah, blah. It was still some probably, person? A person <gasps> said that out loud. And we're like, ah. <laughs> and so and I won't say who it is. And sure, I, sure. But, um, but that was like, that was like a weird, crazy moment. It's like, whoa, don't, don't critique the jokes out loud during a table read. Wow. And that's like a certain thing. And some table reads didn't go well for whatever factors and that's when as like a showrunner and also like matt was always great about this too it's like if we had confidence in the episode we're gonna do it even if it's like was a bad read yeah that's great i'm so glad that you guys do <laughs> I mean, yeah I can't no because that's like you have to it like it seems to have worked out <laughs> there are so many episodes that not so many episodes had bad reads but certain classic ones did and there are also other episodes like that like fox wanted to kill like a perfect example like Tell me when to shut up. Please keep going. But it's like Homer's phobia. Right. The, the whoever, I think it was the censor at Fox or someone from the very beginning of doing that episode because it was about gayness. And it was like, that's like, we wanted again. It's like, we want to talk about stuff that people haven't talked about in cartoons before. Mm-hmm. And it's an important thing. But at the time, they really, you know, especially cartoons weren't talking about it. And, but we really wanted to, um, and um, oh, and also uh, I could talk about that episode too. But did um, I will. But anyway, Dave Fox kept saying because you know for every episode they're not allowed to tell us what to do, but censor can give notes, like mm-hmm. saying this this line you can't say this line because it's offensive, or you can't reference like for example Pier One because they're <laughs> going to sue us. So we had to ultimately had to change that line though it went out about the monkey being in a ba- dead monkey in a basket. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but um, and the funniest thing about that line too is like that just like two weeks ago I was on vacation with my kids in Florida and we were walking by a pier one and it was even my son or daughter made a joke about the dead monkey in the basket and I was like yes <laughs> so but yeah yeah but we had to change it for subsequent episodes but anyway for Homer's phobia normally for an episode you'd get like a half page of censor notes and a lot of times they're reasonable. Or you'd bargain with them. But for Homer's phobia, we've got pages and pages of notes saying you can't say this, you can't say that. And it was all because they were really uncomfortable about talking about homosexuality. And But we were just like, no, we're going to do this episode and we're going to sort of keep kind of ignoring these notes. And we knew that like Matt and Jim backed us up on it. But ultimately what happened was for like a year of the production of that episode, Fox kept going, and it, the ultimate line was like, this episode is not approved for broadcast. Wow. But finally, whoever was generating those notes, and I don't remember if it was the censor or ever, they left. <laughs> they left Fox. And the next, like, not the next day, but I'll say oh the next God. day because it's a good somebody story. Somebody cashed in a mob hit. Somebody, yeah. The, the, basically, the next day, or whatever it was, then we suddenly got a note saying this episode approved for broadcast. That is- basically, and I'm probably like leaving out little things, but it was basically that. And so, like, Man, we, so we waited out because of the, the, lo- the long lag time to make an episode is 10 months. We were able to wait out whoever that sourpuss Frady Cat was who didn't want us to do that episode. <laughs> and then the episode was great and won us an Emmy. And yeah. it's, it's really great because then you, like, you've, I met, like, gay people who said, like, that was my first, like, exposure. Mm-hmm. Like, to, like, it's okay and that there are people out there in the world who are gay and blah, blah, blah. And it's, like, so, like, it meant something, but, but they tried to kill it. Right. 
Yeah, and you know, The Simpsons and Mission Hill and all these shows that you've worked on have all been very good about just having a very like broad range of types of people. And you know, it's, it just makes these worlds so much more realistic that yeah. you have people that are gay, you have people who are, you know, any number of things. And it's just like, no, they're they're just people in Springfield. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, they're just people. Um, something that I since we're already talking about Homer's phobia, something that we talked about uh, on that episode with Louis Peitzman uh, was the the kind of of scale from uh, John Waters' character to, to Frank Grimes, uh, right. who are both characters that are kind of speaking on behalf of viewers of The Simpsons. You know, you right, have Frank yeah. Grimes, who's kind of saying... Right, that's basically, like, the idea. It was originally just... Bill's, it was Bill's idea was, like, Homer has an enemy, and that was, like, the genesis of it. But then we were like, what? okay, let's make it... What if a person from the real world had to come right, in and right. deal with Homer? He would die. Yeah, and then you have John Waters' character, who's kind of this is seasons later, who's able to be like, look how how funny this family is with their We could have, do another podcast about that episode, but one <laughs> of the the genocide of that episode because there are a few different things, but one was this idea of Lisa and Camp that uh-huh. Lisa becomes fascinated by campy things, right? And then there, then we also had the idea of like let's deal with gayness as well and they came together because we love John Waters and that was like that's why that's also Bill grew up in Maryland uh-huh, so he yeah. was super like from early age like when I didn't know who John Waters was he right. was like you gotta watch this guy's movie he was guy's- a celebrity over there at like the age of 18 yeah and this guy is like really? this yeah. is the, the funniest guy ever to come from Maryland mm-hmm. and so like we love it especially Bill like loved it so like let's get John Waters awesome. and that's the great thing too about that episode it's like he's just like he's just like a, what do I you, you could call me John like, yeah. that's, like, the best <laughs> thing, because it's, like, he's just, like, it's not a big deal to him. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's the best. God, there's so many great lessons in all of the endings of Simpsons episodes. I and I don't know if you saw that we posted this and talked about it, but since this happens in this episode, uh, lots of episodes were... Uh, it ends the sunset? with sunsets. Yeah. <laughs> that was really cool because I never realized we did that because we yeah. number from our years. I think That's Bill like, Oakley even Bill said Oakley that too. He like it. tweeted at us and was like, uh, yeah, I didn't know we did that a lot. Yeah, no, we did. Whoops. It's more just like, yeah, that was like, and it's moon. sort of, yeah, it's, it's like sort of really, it's sort of really corny and hacky to do but that, it's but it's, it works. Yeah. And it's it also a lot of times too, it's like there's certain directors too that just would have like beautiful colors and for example, like to me, like the, the sunset, yeah, the sunset that I remember most, I think is from Home Sweet Diddly Doodly. And I think it was Susie Dieter who was always had like, you knew in her episodes, there'd be fabulous use of color. Mm-hmm. And so like, we knew like, oh, that's going to be a beautiful sunset. Right. On, but it was, yeah, so we funny. never realized till the, till that tweet that, <laughs> that we relied on that. Time, uh, who, time who did that? I think Dead thing. Homer Society is who we should credit for that. Yeah. I or think Dead so. Homer's Club. Um, but then. Yep. But see, like, that's the thing, too. It's like a lot of people, like, are like, oh, my God, they intentionally did all these sunset endings. Like, no. no. We just could like, we just we were falling back on some hacky ending because we couldn't think of one. <laughs> or it just so happened. But a lot of people, that's a good thing. It's like a lot of people think, like, we're a lot smarter than we are. <laughs> that's the that's case a, just with any art. <laughs> yeah. You know, people search for answers in films all the time. That I, I was really enjoying listening to uh, an interview with P.T. Anderson. And oh, it was on Mark Maron's podcast, actually. And, and and Mark was sort of going through his entire filmography and going, uh, Magnolia, what's that about? And he was like, uh, my dad dying. All right, moving on. Like yeah. everything was like, 
uh, like not, not to make him sound like an idiot, but but it was much more simple than I think a lot of people. Yeah, know, and I've seen, I've definitely seen things from our episodes that people read in. Sometimes there's heavy stuff, but a lot of times there's like, no, we didn't. <laughs> right, right, We just right. did that because it was funny or worked or whatever. Yeah. Are, are there any examples of that that are particularly outrageous? No, I'm no Illuminati type stuff. <laughs> no, no, I know that's true. It's also true on Gravity Falls where people are like Alex is Illuminati. Oh yeah, and it's like no, that. it's just he like we that, just like yeah. it's like conspiracies are fun to do. Yeah, and it's like but I can't like I'm I I can't think of one offhand. People but, see what they want to see yeah. too. You know, if you're going out to especially yeah. like I think Illuminati is such an easy thing to be like oh the devil. You know, <laughs> to like try and find yeah. like. Oh. You know, the yeah. number 23 kind of stuff. There is something, oh, and I don't know the joke. It's somebody, I don't remember if they tweeted it or somebody at Gravity Falls was saying, but somebody said their teacher used this as an example of a certain type of reference. And it was very highfalutin. And it was not, we, it, that was not what we intended at all. And whatever this thing was, was not a reference to what this teacher told her class. Yeah. Wow. It was. And I, I don't remember what it, what it was. It just, if you remember just like a couple, it, tweet yeah, it to us. This You're just so a couple weeks ago. You're but. making me remember that I, <laughs> I've repressed this memory. I went to um, like a Bible camp for a weekend when I was younger. And somebody, well, the people that were running it used a clip from You Only Move Twice, the trust fall stuff, as like a... Um, we have to trust each other. Don't you see? Like that guy didn't trust that guy. Like it just it was it was such a hacky way to like travel. Right. But I remember them being like, "We're edgy. We used a clip from The Simpsons. Come to Christ, you know." Like it was yeah. it was really and bad. that was really just in the trust fall because we were like, "That's the lamest thing that they do in like these encounters." Right, right. But, yeah. God, that's such a good episode. Uh, I'm just looking at the Simpsons World or Simpsons Guidebook, and one of the. And jokes, by the way, we also sorry. Please, please. we would. In the, the, remember, there's an earlier version of this that had yeah, like yeah, that's the one through ten. Yeah, we would consult that to <laughs> yeah. to make sure, like, oh, did we already do this or whatever? Right, like, right. Well, I guess you so. What is so good? You know. Oh, but one of the jokes that I really loved so much, uh, and it shows you how far uh, we've come in, as far as embracing, I guess, nerd culture, for lack of a better word, is uh, it in the book? It's listed as secret shame. Uh, his prescription glasses make him look like a geek. And it and it's one of the funniest. I mean, one of the lines that made me laugh the hardest was when he gets pulled over. Uh, he he says like, "You wouldn't make a handsome man like me wear glasses. It's a crime against nature," uh, which is also very funny, just because I I assume that most of the people who watch the show probably have some uh, vision problems. <laughs> you know, a lot of us are nerds, yeah. but it is it is. I do love any kind of self deprecating joke that is about nerds, and I really love the way that The Simpsons handles nerds on the show because it's very. Uh, it's just very heartwarming it's, and sweet. It's and by nerds for nerds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is exactly Fubu. right. <laughs> I think we're good. Yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah. any anything else we could tap you for, really, at this point. Yeah. Uh, what What are some closing thoughts you might have? That's it. Uh, Either on the episode or if there are any. Uh, just that, like, I'm still, like, looking at, like, current episodes, but going back to these episodes, always blown away like that a cartoon can make me feel yeah. something and feel like that these characters are more real than some lame sitcom mm-hmm. character. It's like, that's always like, that's because for years I just, I think about Fish Called Summer as like the Dr. Zayas mm-hmm. musical. It's right, hilarious. Right. But going back into like, I go, oh my God, there's this whole there's so many humanity layers. Yeah. and all that. So like, that's the thing like that. I think like that's one of the reasons like the Simpsons affected people watching it. 
but yeah. also like why we love writing it because it has just like the musical Planet of Apes, it has everything. <laughs> it does. So, it is legitimate theater. It, this is The Simpsons is legitimate theater. <laughs> Some, something I think is actually really cool, um, just because in many ways The Simpsons is a sitcom, I suppose. But one thing that I hadn't really considered is because it's animated, it really does in every way, you know, work at any time that you watch it because it doesn't have that dated set. It's, it's right. always, right. Right. Yeah. you can watch it's it like, and it's always just today. And for the most part, especially in, in this run of the seasons, there isn't a lot of um, pop culture references that cements it in that time. You know, I really love yeah. the that's a, that was a That was an operating rule that's always been true. It's like you don't, don't because also it takes ten months to do right. an episode, so we can't do a topical like South Park can. Right. But we can't do that. So you better make sure it's more like a timeless reference yeah. or a reference that only a few people will get, but whatever. <laughs> That's just a rule that yeah. I remember hearing like early on in trying to write my own scripts, like passing it around, people going, Stop making jokes about pop culture. I mean, there are many reasons for that. One, it really boxes you in. And second, um, you know, it can be interpreted as a crutch because you're getting a response because right. it's a familiar thing instead of getting a response right. because it's like right. a so find and so the good joke. thing is like rules like find interesting pockets of pop culture, like like campiness. Mm-hmm. Like right. that's a thing that yeah. It's fun to talk about. So you find those pockets. Right. Or, uh, or fish fetishes. Yeah. Or Muppets. <laughs> yeah. Muppets will be around forever. It's just going to be Muppets and cockroaches. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to ask if there uh, was any character in particular that you prefer to write for or focus on. That's, it evolved over time. Yeah. Like when Bill and I first started, we for some reason we loved Barney. Like yeah. we would like, and at our first table reads, like we would crack up every time we heard <laughs> Barney's voice, and like we loved Barney, and then but it evolved, and I think like our favorite character ultimately Skinner was one of them. Yeah, that's just, what I was hoping. Just because yeah. it was like it, Skinner rings certain bells that Bill and I have of like we love like the the humor of sort of like serious realness and yeah. uptightness and <laughs> yeah. just like that type and also he was really like he was like we put a lot of like teachers and our headmaster from our school like we rolled our experiences into him mm-hmm. but it's like that his type of comedy is something that really like oh my god rings our bells one of so my like, favorite skinner lines is like welcome to a night of theater and picking up after yes. yourself <laughs> it's so just like i don't i can't even summarize why He's so good, but like he was, he was definitely one of our He's favorites. The best. And uh, I mean, I, I'm sure it's different since you were one of the writers. But is there a character that you relate to the most? That's an interesting thing because I think it's like every time you write an episode, you try to relate to that right characters. Like, like, and doing this episode, like you want to like we feel for Selma and we feel for Troy, like that. So it's usually was like on a per episode basis. But the interesting thing. And I know other writers have talked about this too. Is like when the Simpsons started, it was like everyone's like, this is like the Bart show. Right. But like Bart is really hard to write. And it was like a lot of writers are more like a combination of Lisa and Homer mm-hmm. yeah. than Bart. Because like we were the, the nerds <laughs> or the outcasts and we're also like lazy or whatever. But it's like so it's easier exactly like, right. <laughs> like, like to, it's almost, it was easier to identify with Lisa. Then to Bart. And Bart is more like the guy, like, oh, I wish I was like that. I wish I could speak back to everybody. Which is why Summer uh, 450 is such a relatable. Yeah. I think it's one of my favorites. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I hate every ape I see, from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. No, you'll never make 
out of me. Uh, so this week's crusty cue is what is your favorite Troy McClure movie title? Yeah, uh, Adam Murray, friend of the show, Adam Murray. I <laughs> love David versus Super Goliath. That's a good one. Yeah, Neil really Arsenti says, get confident, stupid. <laughs> That's good. I know both Bill Oakley and I, our favorite is they came to Burkle Carnegie Hall, which I love. <laughs> John Charles Holmes wrote, Alice doesn't live anymore. Oh, yeah. That's, that's uh, Brian, Thrillho- Brian Thrillhouse also said that. I love it when people have Simpsons names on this. Yeah. Uh, Abby Kitzmiller, designated drivers, life-saving nerds. That's a good one. I love, <laughs> I'll speak of films. I love the locker room towel fight, The Blinding of Larry Driscoll. Yeah. It's so deadly serious. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Um, Bobby Cash wrote, uh, Hydro, the man with hydraulic arms, or today we kill, tomorrow we die. That's a Hydro is another one of my top favorites. Yeah. Two minus three equals negative fun by Nick D'Angelo. I remember that. Oh, the president's neck is missing. That was an early one. <laughs> I love that, that I one. <laughs> this is a reference to the end of this episode. Oh, shoot. I just... Okay. Um, Josh Hutchin wrote The Contrabulous Fra- Fab Traption of Professor Horatio Huffnagel. I love I that love one. I love that art, too. Yeah. Yes, it's so... Because so that's so of that time of the mm-hmm. 70s. That's a perfect... I love that one. It's so good. <laughs> Josh, what a great last beat in that episode, too. Uh, what are some of your favorites that have not been mentioned? Uh, and what are some that you particularly are proud of? Uh, boy, I don't remember, like, which ones I came up with, but I love... And I didn't come up The boat jacking and super ship. Mm-hmm. That's not mine. I love that. Um, Christmas Ape goes to... Christmas Ape and Christmas Ape goes to summer camp. Yeah. Those, <laughs> those rank among my very favorite... Simpsons jokes, and I think that was Steve Tompkins who came Just up with the idea that. of Christmas <laughs> ape. It's so first of all, Christmas ape is so crummy, and then the idea that they wanted to milk it for another like the ap- uh, another yeah. yeah, it's like now Christmas ape goes to summer camp. That's like <laughs> oh, by the way, I love. I genuinely love Ernest movies, and I recommend yeah. that if people haven't seen them, you can like them because they're bad, but you can also like them because they're hilarious. I feel like I've feel accidentally like, seen every single one. Yeah. yeah. I think at least a couple of them are on Netflix, too. Yeah. So you guys have your your Netflix homework cut out for you tonight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, any others that you particularly love, uh, either Josh or Julia? There's so many. I mean, every single one yeah. is good, and there are supercuts. They're all. I mean, <laughs> dial M for murderousness. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I saw that one. Uh, Tyler Harden uh, said that it was a tie between "Get Confident, Stupid" mm-hmm. or "Alice's Adventures Through the Windshield Glass." Oh yeah! <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, Joshua Dominguez, the wackiest covered wagon in the West. Uh, there are so many of these that are just. Lot, did I say yeah. did I say to make out King of Montana? No. Yeah, because that goes with George oh, yeah. Westerns. Oh, it's so um, good. Yeah. And Nico Martinez wrote two minus three equals negative fun. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's so good. A lot of people wrote Man versus Nature: The Road to Victory. I think they're on man's side. That's why. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, all the all the Troy McClure little bits are just a little treat like you never know when you're gonna get one they could appear at any moment so it's always very exciting it was also like writing episodes like oh we can have a Troy McClure movie or film strip (laughs) about it and wasn't the biography that just came out of his called You May Remember Me yeah something like that oh oh, one thing I didn't didn't even get to talk about can I talk about about it now yeah yeah it's one little thing is we wanted and we talked about this before and come to we wanted to do a live action Troy McClure movie (gasps) oh my god we talked to phil about it and we were like that's something that we had wanted to do and he was really like it was his idea and we're like oh my god this would be awesome let's 
do it. And it's also like it won't wreck the Simpsons genre because it'll be like a live action thing. Right, right. But it will be like, it will be amazing. And, but then he got killed. And so it's like, right. that, that's like another, right. like, that's a small tragedy. The biggest tragedy is we lost him. But like, of that would have been amazing. Yeah. Oh, do you man. think it would have been like kind of in the style of um, the SNL movies or like Wayne's World or I guess MacGruber is like a better example of Yeah. Style, I mean, it would, it would be, be like, serious? it would be funnier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't mean but, to disparage yeah. <laughs> yeah. with the comparison. Yeah. But it would be like. I guess it, tone. tone. What would the tone, tone be? Yeah. Because I think it would have been, I think. It would have been it would have been full of probably clips of Troy McClure movies, yeah. but it would have to have it. Like we never got beyond the idea of let's let's do let's it, do it, right? But it right. just be like well, it, what an was, exciting like yeah. oh man proposition from the man himself. Yeah, um, that whole thing. anyway. And I don't want to make us do well. I want to, but we can't uh, do a whole other episode. But I believe you told me once before, or maybe I heard you say this in an interview. But uh, just this idea of kind of a, of a spinoff Simpsons show that was about um, side characters. Is that yeah, something? that was that was something that we and Matt were talking about, and that because of like we saw like. 22 short films, how well yeah. that worked and how much stuff there was to mine about it. I recently so, said that if I could only watch one episode of anything ever again, that would be the yeah. thing. So we talked briefly and it just like people didn't have time to do it and it never came about, but talked about a spinoff called Springfield. Yeah. That was going to be because one of the things is like you want to and legitimately when you're doing a Simpsons episode, you sort of have to tie the family in one way or the other. Like it's either about their members or of the family or like a Millhouse divided you tie right, back right. to Homer and Marge but it's like th- there's so many fully fledged awesome characters that there's we felt there's enough like you could do a whole Wiggum episode yeah absolutely. and you don't really need the Simpsons but they might pop in just like we said it's spinoff showcase <laughs> I was, I was about did. to say yeah. like was that before or after the spinoff showcase <laughs> uh, that was that was after right, right. I feel, but it was like you we felt like there was enough to do it but then nobody ever had the time to do it yeah so. mm. oh, makes man. me sad of the things that that weren't but so yeah. much good stuff. But there's still like there's still the future because the, the Simpsons future. is still going Absolutely. on. So I think that's like, that's the cool know, thing to think. It's like insane. what's going to be? Is there going to be another Simpsons movie? Is there going to be some other crazy thing we don't even think about or know about? Right. That's going to be Simpsony. It's like well, just it's, seeing how successful the Simpsons Take the Bowl was to be yeah. in the Hollywood Bowl, sold out with all of these other fans feeling the same feelings as me. And you know, uh, normally we experience the show in isolation or with our families, or we just don't get to see how big the fandom is. And it was just incredible to have that experience yeah. lots of tears <laughs> oh my god i cried twice just i from what i remember yeah lisa it's your birthday definitely cried and i think I cried when it started oh yeah i cried <laughs> as soon as i got there and i went with my dad uh, and you of course yeah, yeah we were there together. um well unless you have any other questions i'm good this has been really great thanks so much yeah for coming thank on. you yeah, so, so much go on forever about this stuff. we would yeah. love to have you back and there there are so many episodes <laughs> that are great that we'd love to talk about i mean yeah uh and it's and a great well of episodes yeah. i don't know we'll run out anytime and it's also soon. like talk about like from the marathon i think opened or, or dug that well where it's like oh my god like all of us have like so many stories that have never been told because 
people weren't interested when we're doing it. So right, cool. right. Or they were, but they didn't have a way to tell you. Right, right. They didn't yeah. have a way That's Which interesting, though, when you said earlier that, like, even in season four, when the internet was really slow, people were finding their way to say worst episode ever. That's so <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah, it took an that, effort. Like, to, it took a real effort to criticize Of course, us. people, people <laughs> yeah. tend to go out of their way to shit on stuff. Yeah. That's just, like, <laughs> the human way of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> um, where can people find uh, you online, and, and what are some things that you're working on? Um, that's You can find me on Twitter, and my handle is Josh Strange Hill, and that's named after Vets. I'm doing a show in England for CBBC, but you can get it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. You can see it on Netflix called oh, cool. Strange Hill High, and it's a kids show, but it's written just like The Simpsons. Like we cool. write it for ourselves. It's really funny, but it's a it's a puppet show Ooh. that uses this new technique of of traditional rod puppetry, but with CG for the eye for the eyes and mouths. So it looks really cool. That's awesome. And it's like it's called Strange Hill High. That's on Netflix. We just finished writing the second season of Gravity Falls. Yay. So people who are fans of the show know that we revealed a big part of a mystery this recently. Then the second half of the season is airing this summer and it gets even more amazing and mind blowing. So it. I'd say <laughs> stay tuned to that because there's really like, truly like mind blowing stuff is going to happen in the second part and it's really cool. So there's that as well. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know what I'm going to be doing next. <laughs> if you have a job for Josh, yeah. tweet him. Tweet him. No, but, but thank you so much. You've been yeah. an excellent guest. And Thank uh, you. It's a pleasure. Yeah, we will see you guys next week. All right. Bye. Bye.